This is Board Game Squad. The show exclusively dedicated to the world of board gaming. For those who care about the meeple and who understand the sheer pleasure of sitting at a table and enjoying human interaction. Dude, it's your turn. Are you ready to meet our hosts? Here are Adam and Paul. Welcome to the Board Game Squad podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Paul. Hey, Paul, how have we been? Been all right. Yeah. I just got my vaccine. Lucky. Oh, Look at yeah, you. I, I am I am lucky, although. <laughs> it's I like am... royalty these days. Yeah. But I, I do feel a little bit more comfortable. Maybe the future will hold conventions and board gaming and, and travel. And, Someday. You know, leaving my pajamas <laughs> once in a while. I, I will say I have enjoyed being in my pajamas for the last six months. That yeah. That is a plus. I bought a lot of pajamas. Well, and I was always the guy that, like, no matter what I was doing, I just, I got up in the morning, I put my jeans on. I never thought twice about it. And I just, I lived my life in my denim. And man, was I wrong. Everyone else, <laughs> you, you, you you were right, and I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I can admit it. I, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I was the same way. Like, I always just threw on a pair of jeans. <laughs> right. I, that's, that's what I would wear. And I, my, my wife encouraged me to get some some new pajamas and i you know i pushed back on a real hard and now i have like four pairs of the same yep. pajama pants and like pretty much right where <laughs> that's exactly it that whole the whole drawer in the dresser is just overflowing with pajama bottoms so steering away from nightwear though <laughs> this is supposed to be a board game podcast we were gonna go be going over a couple of things today our usuals we're we're gonna be talking about what we've been playing recently we're going to talk about one, maybe a couple of games on Kickstarter, one for sure. And then we're we're taking a closer look at Paladins of the something, West Kingdom? West Kingdom. Paladins of the West Kingdom. Thank you. I, from the, <laughs> the West Kingdom series from Garfield Games in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. published by Renegade. And that's that's a co-design. So that's, what do you call it, Shem Phillips, who, who founded... Garfield games and mm-hmm. did you know readers of the North Sea and he this it's a cohort of his Let's see look S J McDonald and then the artist is the Miko same artist who does all of those mm-hmm. Garfield games we're getting ahead of ourselves though oh, so we're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> we always do this so yeah we got a we got a handful of things to get to so do you want to start us off with what you've been playing lately oh yeah so first of all and I I feel. A little bit like I jumped on the bandwagon, and I, what I, you know, I watched Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I still haven't, but yeah. Oh, you got to do it. I know it's real good, and I've been playing a ton of chess. Honestly, mm. now I, w- I I did chess club in elementary school. Like I I played chess a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I I think pl- joining chess club really put a sour um, taste in my mouth for the game, and it wasn't something that I really ever felt like I wanted to come back to but you know I came back to it and you know I'm really loving it I'm not very good at chess but it's it really is a great game and it's a classic for a reason what spoiled it for you do you think was it like the competition of it the just the yeah, amount of pressure the going into it. I, I, I don't particularly like that 
unless you're like really naturally gifted at chess for the most part, <laughs> like it, it, right. it comes down to like a lot of memorization of like openings and, you know, closing moves and, you know, very familiarity with common maneuvers. And that, that wasn't like something that I really cared to do. And then it was like, just like the raw competition of it. I think I mean, so, I was a kid, but you've been able to play a handful more times. Is, are you warming back up to it? Going to get back into it? You think? Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm loving it. I, right. I think maybe I'll start actually reading up on some strategy and, and trying to get better at chess. I'm playing on like chess.com mm-hmm. and there's like this one and I'm, I'm just playing the computer right now. And there, there's this one bot that just keeps kicking my butt and I'm getting really frustrated, but, um, <laughs> after you've had a little bit of time to, to get your feet wet again, we got to start playing 5d chess with multiverse time travel. Have you looked at that on Steam yet? Oh, but this sounds like a terrible idea. Oh my god, it's so much fun. I I heard about it through a Shut Up and Sit Down's podcast. They talked about it a while back. Essentially what's going on is you're playing chess with the computer, and every time you move a piece, you get a timeline of how the board state looked at every step of the stage. With certain pieces that end up moving in two dimensions... Take a knight, for example. It'll move forward, that's one dimension, and then to the side, that's the second dimension. One of those maneuvers, instead of moving in an X or a Y dimension, you can move through time and go back one space to how the board looked before. So now you'll have three knights on the board. On, on But you'll have two boards. So you'll have three knights on one board that takes place in the past and only one knight on the board that takes place in the present. And then you have to play the boards in the past until they catch up to the present. You might have multiple presents going at any one moment. It is wild. I love it. It is so ridiculous and chaotic and just funny. You, I have to get you to play this at some point. I'll, I'll play it. This sounds like an absolute nightmare. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's insane and it hurts. And you just play around with it to see what happens and it's, it's chaos. It is beautiful. I love it. Alright, I'm in. So yeah, we'll... we'll I got to get you to check that one out at some point. All right, we'll we'll do it. What do you what do you got for us? Well, I don't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before when we were talking about not spiel picks but uh, Essen, the mm-hmm. the games we were looking forward to that were coming out. One that I had brought up was Divi Dice, and I actually was able to pick up a copy of it. With that one, it's uh, it's another one from Stronghold Games. It's another roll and write. Just to be clear, at no point do you divvy any dice at all. So the name's a little misleading, but it's a lot of fun. It's along the lines of their other roll and rights, like a Gunshawn or the Doppelt, um, all the clever roll and rights. The, the situation with this one, though, is you are, instead of being given your player card that you write everything down on as you roll the dice, you actually have to draft those cards and purchase them from the supply in the middle and you're purchasing them by getting sets of the dice rolled. So then once you've purchased those basically scorecards that you get to lay out in front of yourself in a tableau, you can either choose to spend your dice marking your scorecards to either get points or bonus actions, or you can use your dice to get more scorecards until you have a full 3x3 panel of them. It is a crunchy little thing, and it's it's a lot of fun. I was I was really looking at this before Stronghold picked it up in the U.S. Mm-hmm. BGG had a little, I think it was like a blog post they wrote on it, and I was I was super intrigued. So I'm I'm glad you got to try it for both of us. Oh, yeah. Well, and a couple disclaimers on that. First off, it's not great at two. There's 
the way the end game mechanism works, it just doesn't lend itself great towards two player. Game is best at three, slows down a lot with four. And then the only other thing I was going to mention with it is if you really liked Gunshot Clever and that whole series because of like all of the combos that you could pull off, that's less available. There's less combos and it's more strategic, tactical. Otherwise, a lot of fun. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna double up my next two. So first, I played a children's game. Mm-hmm. I am a a parent of twin toddlers and i got them their first board game for the holidays it's a game from from haba called first orchard mm-hmm. there's there's an, a version for for older children i don't know if it's orchard or something something like that and it's pretty sweet if you have young kids it's like the first game i would probably recommend picking up for for anyone oh this is really cute to... i'm looking at pictures now yeah 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 it's 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 two and up which and my, my kids aren't quite to yet, but you know, it's, it's sort of like just introducing game concepts. Yeah. So start, start it, it's, young. It's, yeah, it's not so dissimilar <laughs> from like a, like a Candyland plays much quicker and it, you know, it teaches other things like pattern recognition, like Counting, you're basically colors. there's, there's all these wooden fruits that you are assembling. I was say, the, the pieces are gorgeous in this. They're, they're chunky, they're bright colored, big wooden fruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very nice would recommend it if you have small children the other game which was like an, a real adult game was <laughs> horrified so horrified this was what do you call it what's the the publishing company the funkoverse oh um, um is it aren't all of them under ravensburger no no so so ravensburger did co-publish this but it's uh what do you call it oh my god prospero hall Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. okay. So they've been making a lot of like intellectual property games that mm-hmm. sort of they they bridge the gap between like serious gamers and like less serious gamers, and they're like <laughs> most of them are available at Target. This is the one that they're tackling like the Universal Monster IP, and it's a it's a cooperative game, very much in the vein of like a pandemic. In fact, I, I would probably go as far to call this a a pandemic killer. Wow. Um, and, well, I'm 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 not big on pandemic, so take uh, that with a grain of salt. And I haven't I haven't played any of the legacy games. I know you you love pandemic legacy. Season one was phenomenal. Yeah. But I, I definitely prefer this to pandemic. It's it's a little bit meatier and a well, it's uh, maybe not it's maybe it's on par, but there's more variety. So you can pick to play against one or two or three. I think there's four or five different monsters and you can play um, as many of them as you want against them in any different combination. Um, And they all have like, there's all different ways. It's uh, asymmetric, different ways of defeating each monster and you work together to do it and you, you know, go around a map and it's, it's pretty sweet. It's, it's definitely not like a heavy game, but I would, I would definitely prefer to play it over a pandemic. And if you're, I'm looking for like a, a gateway game with like an awesome theme. I would recommend it. Good way to bring in new players and stuff like that. It looks like definitely. Yeah, I'm scrolling through and looking at BGG while you're talking about it. Pieces it's look cool. Game. Tech. It's yeah. a good game. It's just it's a it's a, I think it's a little light for my taste. Sure. Did you have any others that you've been playing lately? 
Yeah, I have a few more. Do you have anything? I have a, I, I have a couple. I was able to get Maracaibo out to the table and play a couple times with my wife last week, which was Gosh. phenomenal. We, she hasn't even had a chance to actually sit down and play it yet. She's been busting her butt through the whole pandemic at work, so we finally had a chance to sit down, really learn it, chance for her to really move pieces around and, and actually get a good handle on it, and she really enjoyed it. We ended up playing it a couple days in a row, and it's definitely going to be coming out again soon for her which is great news for me because i want to keep playing it but um actually the one i wanted to talk about more so was cooper island because i started playing that solo not too long ago and i'm coming around on solo gaming paul it it has its place i really am (laughs) um i would i would say this about solo gaming it's it's not my preferred way of playing like i'd much rather play with like a group of friends but it has its place when when and left without options. Yeah, when you're left without options, I'd rather play a solo game than no game at all. And sometimes I'd rather play a solo game than a game like on tabletop simulator with someone else. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I am not a fan of tabletop sim, which also has its place. Sure, and we can talk about that a bit too because you, myself, handful of uh, people got together to play Paladins that we're going to talk about more in a little bit. But I actually <laughs> I stole my son's. VR headset hooked it up to his computer and, and ran tabletop sim through that. And that was actually, that was not bad it, for as long as it lasted is the problem. Yeah. The, the app crashed. So I had to keep going back in and because we have the, the cheap Oculus, I forget the name of it, but it's the one where you don't need to hook it up to the computer. It's just a standalone system. So when, for us, if we want to do tabletop sim, cause it's not a native app, we do have to hook it up to the computer. That's all beta software, so it keeps crashing. But yeah, if you can do tabletop sim in VR, totally worth it. I'll tell you, I, I played tabletop simulator once with with another friend who tried it in VR, and he had he had a Vive. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it wasn't a, like a budget VR set by any means. It was also a disaster. It didn't go well at all. <laughs> well, I don't know because Maybe. table in fairness, tabletop simulator is not developed for virtual reality headsets and play it's a virtual environment so it ports okay but it's not built for it so that's that's why it has so many problems with vr headsets so i imagine if they can afford to get some developers to code it properly it wouldn't be the problem anymore i've yet to play cooper island it's it's eating at me that is what we were talking about holy shit that's a good game (laughs) the end i'm actually i'm really glad i've been playing it solo though because it really a good chance to kind of dissect the the design and the mechanics of it down to a point where I can actually I, I you start to see the intentions of the designer where there's really only four main actions out of the I think it's 16 available and those four actions are really what drives the game because it's also the areas you would be going to 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 score victory points so all of the strategies are based around like what are good picks for combinations between those four actions. And then once you've found that, then you can really just hit the gas on it. So I've yet to see how that starts to play out with more players afterward, though. But I feel like I do understand the game better. And and you're happy with the solo implementation. I am, yeah, because you play against Cooper directly. And it's a really straightforward system. It's just a a set of cards you throw out on the table. I'm sorry? Is Cooper a puppy dog? Cooper is, is the puppy? dog, yeah. <laughs> Cooper is the one, the, the dog that runs to the front of the boat and spots the island. That's why it's called Cooper's Island. 
but yeah, so you play against Cooper, who's just an automa from this deck of cards. It gets a randomized strategy every time that it follows and also directly interacts with the strategy that it encourages you to follow that you all but have to. So it, it creates this direct competition and then all of Cooper's turns are really just, you might have to put one piece out on the board to set it aside and you might have to move his boat and that's it. And that's your turn again. It, it, it was done so, so, so well. It is nice exactly the kind of solo I, I wanted in my life. Yeah. So, if people out there are familiar with that solo system and you know more that are very similar to that, please let me know about them because that that is the right answer for me for doing solo. I've gotten very picky about how solo games are implemented. So mm-hmm. I, I, I hear you. I guess moving on to my next game. I've been playing a ton of this with my wife, mm-hmm. Biblios. Mm. Great game. Yeah. Fantastic game. I, I love auction games and this is a, a fantastic version of an auction game. It's very good at two for an auction game. It is. Oh, for an auction game especially. It, it, yeah. Incorporating the I split, you choose mechanism to it. I, I do like it a lot at three as well, though. I think that's my favorite for it. Optimal. Yeah. yeah. And it is, it, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a set collection game. It, the game is broken out into two halves. So you're like sort of collecting these cards and trying to form sets. And what it is, is you're, you're drawing... I think it's like three cards and one you're putting away for yourself, keeping it private. One you're putting at the, the was it the top of the, oh, one you're making it publicly available for mm-hmm. the rest of your opponents. And the other you're setting aside for an auction that comes later after you've, you've sort of ran through all your cards. And then at the end, you're sort of manipulating these dice, which affect how many points you're getting and it's 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 one heck of a fun game. I like it a lot. It's simple. Well, it's, it's very good. It's agonizing too because the the whole purpose with putting those cards out, you're you're flipping one card at a time, and you have to decide: is this my card, my opponent's card, or is this going back into the deck for the second half of the game? And having to make those choices without knowing what the next card is is just mm-hmm. excruciating. <laughs> Lots of great decisions. Oh to be man. Good. Yeah, this is a solid, solid game. This has been a regular game night filler for us for a decade at least. Wow. If it's been out that long, I should probably double check that. It feels like a decade, I should say. <laughs> it's probably not a decade, but it's been out a while. I want f- I feel like it is. Hang on. Oh, 2014. Okay. My bad. Um, almost, almost. Wow. Did you so you've only ever played Biblios recently? Yeah, it's a it's a recent really? acquisition. Okay. Yeah. Man, yeah, no, that was this Biblios is one of those uh, games that my friend had brought over in order to try to get me into game night in the first place. So I, think I always it's a tough sell in that capacity. Oh man, I was hooked. Yeah. I loved it. I don't know that I'd recommend it for others to use, but <laughs> go ahead. I have one. I have one and a half more games. Curious. Okay. It's been a good gaming time. So Clank in Space, and we we talked a little bit about this offline. So this was my, my my only introduction to the Clank series. And I played with, played with my wife. And there's a lot of things I like about it. But the games we were playing were just not going well. We, we kept dying, or I kept dying. 
which means I was, I'm sure I was, I was playing very poorly, but th there was like a number of things that was like, were just, you know, really frustrating about our experience. That being said, like mechanically, I just like, I love everything about it. Clank in um, space may I, not have been the right starting point then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I'm going to keep it on the shelf. I like mm -hmm. it. I think I just had some bad gaming sessions. Might be, which is a bummer because man, that is the whole Clank series I think is my favorite deck builders in general. I like what it does with them. I, I really, the, the fact that I'm playing all of the cards and comboing the same as I would in any other deck builder, but out of that, I get to move my guy around the board and actually collect an adventure. I love when it's done like that. To hear you say that it wasn't a good experience, I guess bums me out. So, because <laughs> I want well, you to love last, it as much as I do. Last, so. I, I played it, I think, three times. And mm -hmm. the last time I played it, it was much better. Oh, good. But so I, I, I think I don't know. I'm, I must have made some serious errors that probably definitely affected my my personal experience. But I, I want to play it more. It's mm -hmm. a good game. I think it's a good game. And then the other one I just want to mention. It's it's so it's this is I got a prototype copy of a game that's coming to Kickstarter in March. It's absolutely blowing my mind, Adam. And it's it's hard for me not to mention. I'm going to do a, a, a full write up on it. Oh, but okay. Three yeah. sisters. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of the spiritual successor to Fleet, the dice game. You know, it's a, it's a different theme. It's not the, the Fleet series. It's uh, it's actually agriculture themed. This game has everything I want in a roll and write. <laughs> Are it you allowed to talk about it yet, or no? I, I can talk about it. I just think you know, it, we I should save it. No, that's that's fine. But that one's it's a hint. It's beautiful. But that's gonna be coming to Kickstarter, and and you're already March 9th. Okay. Sorry, I'm hitting follow on that one. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> you were talking about it the other day, and I haven't actually had a chance to look any deeper into I've it. I've only so. played it solo, actually. I need to get a multiplayer game. Yeah. Of it. And it's beautiful solo. We'll work on that. The only other couple of things I had been playing recently were, were off of Board Game Arena. So we've been playing a lot of Terra Mystica on there and a lot of Yokohama. So with Terra Mystica, here's what I was curious about, because I think we've brought this up before, and I think you land with Terra Mystica, but between the big three in that circle, Terra Mystica, Gaia Project, and Clans of Caledonia, you, you prefer Terra, right? So I've I've never played Clans. Okay. But I, I love Gaia. Okay. Which is where I kept falling to. Well, I prefer Clans, but a lot of people don't even consider it as similar. So between just Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, I, I went with Gaia too. And I, I can't put my finger on what it is that is pulling me away from Terra Mystica, though. And that's the hard part. And that's that's what I was bringing it up. I'm curious, like, since you're leaning the same way, it, what is it about Terra Mystica that really just isn't that well I, I like Terra Mystica oh, it's um, a fine game but... like I'm not I'm not saying don't play it I just I, I feel like I should enjoy it more like I really yeah. want to but I just can't I just the, the tech track in Gaia Project is like oh that's fun way way better yeah and Gaia plays really well at two and I play a lot of two-player games so I just by default I think Gaia is a better game yeah, I'm with you on that yeah and then we played a lot of Yokohama which the first time I played that was was in person, on table, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> it, it did not go well. The teach did not go well. The game did not go well. But then we ended up playing it over Board Game Arena. Heck of a lot better of experience. In fact, I just, I just don't seem to care about the game. Like, I go through and I try to apply a strategy, and now I try to get into it. I just... It, it never really... 
grabs me very well. I have a hard time recommending it. I'd love to hear from people that love it and why they love it, because I'm I'm struggling to find a way to like it. Yeah, this is one of those classics I've also not had an opportunity to play. It's a really well-designed game. I just, I can't find fun in it. For me, anyway. Is that all we have for games we've been playing? It's a lot of games. There was one other little tiny one off of Board Game Arena. Yeah, it's called Bandito. It's the dumbest little thing, but I am in love with it. It's like a pack of 30 cards, and each one, they're like... They're like the tiles from King Domino where they're twice as long as they are wide. And it's a whole tile laying game. On the tiles themselves is really just paths drawn from one end to the other that may or may not branch. And the whole purpose of it is at the beginning of the game, one tile is set down and that's a prison cell that a prisoner is trying to escape from. And they start by digging five tunnels away from it and they go out in different directions from that. And then you're just placing other tiles on the board in an attempt to close off all of the paths leading away from the jail cell. Some of them taper off, you know, will bring two tunnels down to one. Some of them will actually just be a block. Some of them will, you know, connect two tunnels into a block. But it's a cooperative game, so you're going around and just playing those tiles, trying to block off those exits. And it's just a light, fun, little five-minute silly thing, and it's so satisfying to throw the tiles out in place. This logo looks familiar. It's cute as hell. We've been having a blast with it. That's awesome. But yeah, that's that's it for me with the games we've been playing re- recently. There was a Kickstarter game you wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, so this is a, this is a game that Adam and I both, I think, decided to back. Adam's a little bit more read up on it, but Carnegie from Quined Games. Adam, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Since you, you've, I think you've actually played a few rounds and thoroughly read through the rules. So, yeah, I've read through the rules, and I they have it in beta on Board Game Arena, which obviously is where I'm spending all my time these days, if you can't tell. And I've played through three or four turns of the solo, which I, it, I don't feel like I have a great, great grasp of the game yet, but a, a little bit about it. It is based off of, well, inspired by... The Life of Andrew Carnegie, the the industrialist from early 1900s. In the game, though, the way it ends up working is everyone has a board out in front of them, and that is basically your factory. And within that factory, you're going to be placing tiles on it that act as different rooms or different departments. Within those departments, you're actually going to be hiring workers, so you'll grab meeples from the supply, throw them on your board. They start in the lobby... And then there's four types of actions that can be taken in the game. And here's where it kind of shifts to like a Puerto Rico style game where whoever's turn it is, is choosing the action that all of the players will be doing. There's a couple of adjustments to how this is being managed. I really like the implementation. I'm not going to do it a lot of justice to describe it right now. Had I prepared better, I would have. But suffice to say, Basically, when it comes around to your turn, you are choosing the type of action that everyone's taking. Everyone takes that. It's based off of the number of workers you have in given departments within your factory. So if throughout your factory you have two guys in human resources, you'll be able to take the human resources action twice. As the meeples get used, they lay down on their back. In order to refresh them, you have to pay them, you know, wages, <laughs> like a good employer. And it, yeah, the game only lasts like seven rounds. I think you get a total of like 20 actions or 20 turns, whatever it is, whatever it works out to be. It looks really, really interesting, though. It's already getting a lot of good press. I am I backed it. 
because from the little bit that I've seen and the couple of rounds I've played, it is exactly my kind of crunchiness. So I'm excited. Yeah, and we have a it's you know tool artwork, of mm-hmm. course. Oh, I didn't even go over like the the whole map. Yeah, there. So the main board is the map of the United States, and you're putting you're using your workers to advance technology, putting technologies out on the board into different cities, and you're trying to connect from one end of the U.S. to the other end of the U.S. And if you can link certain cities together, it's worth bonus points. There's a lot going on here. It's a quinid game, so there's a ton. It's uh, and it's it's David George's the designer who did Twa. Oh, that's City, right. yep. Black Angel, yep. Gingopolis, which I haven't played still. Um, it's getting a reprint soon, but yeah, so yep. some some good designer pedigree. Yep, artist and graphic design, Ian O'Toole. I think you said, did say that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it's coming together nice. It looks great. The iconography is on point. the The rules were clear when I read through them. There's a couple of things I'm not 100 percent on, but that's you know the kind of stuff that you get through gameplay. So. Yeah, no, all in all, I'm I'm terribly excited for it. Yeah. You know, I, I made the mistake of looking at Kickstarter. There's actually there's a good number <laughs> of games worth mentioning. <laughs> there's a few. You want to throw out a couple more? We got yeah, time. So, so one worth mentioning, I think, is, is Darwin's Journey. I, I, I grappled with backing this or not. This is sort of, I would call it the follow-up to Newton. Mm-hmm. So it is as Simon Luciani... And Mr. Mendoni, I'm sorry, Italians. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's supposed to be like a better version of Newton. And it's you know, more like science-y theme. It's, mm-hmm. it's doing really well on Kickstarter. Yeah, this is when I'm kind of struggling on whether or not I'm going to pull the trigger on it because no one else in my game group has backed it yet. And I think this one might come down to me having to do it. Yeah. And then the last one I just want to mention is, this isn't quite out yet, but I suspect by the time this is published, it will be out, or maybe not, who knows. But there is, it's Terraforming Mars, the Ares Expedition, and it is essentially Terraforming Mars, the card game. So I'm isn't, wait, isn't Terraforming Mars already a card game? This is more of a card game. As in, I, I don't think <laughs> much of a board um, no, I, like, I understand. Those seem to include boards, though, and dice games also tend to include, you know, things that are also present in, you know, the other version of the game. <laughs> All right. There's also, a, there's also a Terraforming Mars dice game coming out soon. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, speaking of reprints on a brand, um, Mint Bid is also up on Kickstarter, the Minty Fresh Bidding game. If there's a whole series of them, uh, Mint Works, Mint Bid, uh, Mint Delivery, that which is their pickup and deliver. Each one just kind of like focuses on a single me- gaming mechanism, and the whole game fits in a mint tan, like an Altoids tin. They're awesome. They're all, they're all like ten bucks, but you can grab all of them from that Kickstarter campaign that's up right now. I print and played Mint Works. A while back, and it was, it was actually pretty clever. I liked I, it a lot. We hang on to Mint Works. Um, I have Mint Delivery that doesn't ever get played. There was another one in between that I skipped. There was and, an area control one. Uh, I think that was it. Yeah, and then yeah. Mint Bid um, is the one that's out right now. It actually doesn't look too bad. I'm I'm debating on that one. But yeah, that's that's it for me for for Kickstarters. Do we want to switch over to the the main course? We'll switch over to the main course. Lettuce and tomatoes. Awkward. Anyway, 
yeah, so we're about to talk about <laughs> Paladins of the West Kingdom. <laughs> to refresh your memory from the beginning of the show, Paladins of the West Kingdom is part of the West Kingdom series by Garfield Games, of which there is also Architects of the West Kingdom, then Paladins of the West Kingdom, and then Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Viscounts. Um, I think there's a few expansions for some of those games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the second in the series. Adam and I and a few mutual friends had the opportunity to play over Tabletop Simulator. I have a physical copy that I haven't played yet, but it's a very clever take on worker placement, as all of these Garfield games seem to be. The the main premise is each player has its own board, and that's where the majority of your worker placement actions take place. And there's some shared spots on a main board but those aren't those aren't worker spots for the most part they're more like places where you can gain resources uh, and you're getting a new set of workers every round there's different worker types they're different colors and they can be used to do certain actions and not others there's also these like purple workers which are a wild resource but they they add suspicion which can cause you to take debt which can be mostly a bad thing but it can also be a good thing if you play it right they seem to do that in all these games actually there's a lot of really excellent card play so there's there's two main types of cards that you can acquire and each one of these cards you can do one of two things one of them is essentially you can throw the card away and get some sort of like instant act instant benefit which is like you know a resource or a work or something like that or you can sort of add it to your tableau one of the cards will get you like end of game scoring bonuses and then one of the other types of cards gets you some sort of like ongoing game bonus and it's it's really it's really clever there's a lot going on in that game it's it's definitely the heaviest out of all of the the west kingdom games right well, I haven't. I don't. I don't know about Viscounts, but it, it carried a lot of elements over from Viscounts, but it, it basically added Vicounts? to it. Yeah, and so I actually I had to go back into. The, it's so funny that you asked that because I I actually like this game a lot, and I have a lot of good things to say about it. One of the things I I had a problem with though was the fact that I've actually played Paladins of the West Kingdom twice, <laughs> both times. Not sure if I had played it before. How that that works, yeah, exactly. How that works is, uh, the first time I played it was uh, a couple of months ago, and I thought I had played it before, but I wasn't sure. I was thinking of Viscounts, because I actually, I went back after you and I played it last week, because I had the same experience. My second time playing the game, I said to myself, I can't remember if I've actually played this before or not. So I had to go back into my logging app, and, and actually see if I had scored anything on it previously. I had. So, yeah, I've played this game twice, both times not sure if I played it before. So, a really memorable <laughs> game, huh? <laughs> that's, that's just it. Like, I like the game. There's a lot of good in it. There's so much good in this game. <clears throat> but, yeah, a little bit forgettable. I, I, I will say this. So, all these games have a really similar aesthetics, the same artist. Yep. The iconography is the same, and it's... It could be very difficult to to tell them apart. Well, and I am one hundred percent attributing whether or not I could remember this specific game or not to the fact that 
all of the Miko's art does look alike, and all of the graphic design across these games is carried over. All of the icons go from one game to the next, to the next, to the next, which is great for consistency. And the iconography in these games is phenomenal. You can read it like a second language, but yeah, for discerning which game is which in your memory, if you don't play them often, it's it's real easy to get them confused. Make make up that what you will. I'm jumping the gun a little bit with a thing that I don't care for, but we actually got that out of the way early, so now I can just talk about the stuff I like. So what did you like? Uh, so, what the rounds look like are, first thing, you have a stack of, I think it's like 9 or 10 cards. Those are all of your paladins. You get a different one of those every round. The way you go about choosing those, I, I like this a lot. Because it felt like the designers originally wanted to do something along the lines of a draft. But they also wanted everyone to keep their own deck. So, kind of the compromise feel, anyway, is that at the beginning of the round you take three cards off the top of this Paladin deck. And the Paladin is basically going to be there to direct your strategy for that round. It's going to give you bonuses towards certain actions. It's going to give you a couple of extra workers to start the round with, stuff like that. To choose the one you're going to use that round, you draw three cards off your Paladin deck. You choose the one you want to use for that round. And for the other two, one of them goes back on top of the deck to be drawn next round, and the last one goes to the bottom of the deck, probably not to be seen again for the rest of the game. And just that little bit of, I'm going to be able to control the complete story, the progression of my own strategy, that's a great feeling. I love that. That was my favorite part of the game. So clever. Yep. And and for for those who don't know, these, these paladins, what they do is they give you sort of a bonus, some sort of like power that is used only for that round, as well as some some starting workers and there's also this sort of like there's these multiple tracks on the left of your board that permit you to take various actions if you've reached a certain level it it also affects those those different levels so like you can you might be able to do one action one round and not be able to do it the other if you haven't reached a certain level naturally without those bonuses so that's all sorts of things that these paladins are manipulating really sweet <laughs> That moment of choosing the right paladin at the right time, though, is just, it is so satisfying. The the personal player boards that are out in front of everyone, I'm going to talk about that for a minute, because this this is kind of an interesting aspect on this game, and I'm I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be diplomatic on this one, because I still don't know 100% how I feel about it, but the, the board that you have out in front of you is where all of your action spaces are. There's no communal action spaces, despite this being a worker placement game. So all of the action spaces in front of you, you're just going to be grabbing your multicolor meeples and placing them on those spaces. And that will affect things out in the center board. I kind of have a problem with the fact that there are no communal spaces. Like, to, to me... Well, the... well that's, that's not entirely true. There are communal spaces as you progress throughout the game they're not uh, yeah as the rounds go on and those spaces are great and they they're always a race to get to them with that same aspect of i have to time this right i just you know what you're not wrong i cannot argue against you that it's present i think i just would i i think i just kind of prefer when it's all communal board and maybe Mm -hmm. i get a private space that i get to go to instead of all private spaces and maybe one or two communal spots. 
it's definitely a unique take. On yeah. That. No, they reversed um, it completely for all of that. Yeah. I, I have, I have different feelings, I think. So, although you're not like vying to, to be the first person to get to like this one space because it's, you ha- they're all available on your board. Mm-hmm. W- one of the aspects I like about worker placement is like, and this is not unique to worker placement, but it, like you have this feeling of like, you know, like, you know, I need to plan ahead and I need to do this action before that action. And then like, you can't, ultimately you can't do everything you want. Right. right? And that still exists. And you're still sort of like, you know, putting out a worker and, and taking an action and considering all these things. And, and there is sort of other places where there's this communal elements. So there's those, those joint worker spots as the game progresses. There's also, you're picking these cards at the beginning of the round that dictate which workers you're going to start with in addition to your paladin and that sort of has a similar feel mm-hmm. of vying for worker spots even though they're not they're not actions they they dictate which actions you will be able to take on your own personal board i, I will say playing this game it felt like every single action you're making is a concession of some sort like i, I don't want to do this but i kind of have to so I'm going to go here because that's going to make it so I can do this thing next turn that I also kind of don't want to have to do, but I'm going to need to do because on my third action, a couple of turns away now, I'll be able to do this thing. And that's the thing that I want to do. And if I do those other two things first, it'll go the way that I want it to. And it'll be the big fun combo. And do you feel that way about Agricola? I definitely feel that way about Caverna. It's been so long since I've played Agricola that I, I can't say for sure. Because you like Caverna. I love Caverna. But I definitely get that feeling from it. Like, I don't want to waste my two turns going to build up enough ore to go and finally build the weapon to go adventuring with. Like, <laughs> it's... But you have to. Like, th- those are the concessions you have to make. And I don't... I, I don't mind that to a degree. I feel like uh, with, with Paladins, it, it, I feel like I had to make those concessions more. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get too much of a sense of that I was for the most part doing what I wanted to do. Well and I was still following the the strategy I wanted to follow. because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure I out mean, like I, I, I it sounds like I'm very down on the game and I'm actually not. It was if you've ever had that feeling, that element speak to you during a game, I felt that more often in this than I usually do. So it's not a bad thing because it, it makes you make decisions, and that's that's the whole point of gaming for me is sitting down and like agonizing between hard decisions. I enjoy that. This one felt like instead of making hard decisions, again, I'm going to go back to you know using that word. It, it felt more like I was making concessions. I'm gonna, I'm going to give up going over here that I want to do because I need to do this. I felt like it was less of a sandbox and a little more directed. But it kind of has to be, because when you're drawing those paladins, like, they steer you down a course. So, See, the more I think about this game, the more amazing it is. So there, there's that dynamic of where you're choosing, that you're vying for the tavern card that you want, which tells you oh, which yeah. workers you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially the same thing as, like, picking, you know, you know being first to get to the spot you want. In a worker placement game, yeah, there's a handful of those elements throughout it too. It does a really good job with them as well. 
because there it's it's where you're drafting the workers in the beginning of the round, like you said. You get your own little personal one with uh, choosing the paladin, and then as you place workers on your own personal board, you send buildings from your personal board out to the communal board to cover spaces for bonuses. And those are a race to get to as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, what do you call it? Oh, I lost my train of thought. There's this, Adam. I ruined it for you. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. There is... Oh, it's the clearing. Like, Yeah, so then there's also something that also feels like a more traditional worker placement game is you have this one spot on your board and also something that can come out on the communal board later on that will clear up a previously used space before the rent out the oh like when, ends. what is it a priest or whatever that you use for that action something yeah, like a call it, yeah. it's like a it's your praying or something like mm-hmm. that um, and it'll let you do an, one of the actions you've already done again otherwise there's no other way to clear it out until like the next round and then that's that's another round but that action feels a lot like that moment in a worker placement game where you get you get another worker right you get the free worker you get the free extra turn yeah and yeah, it, it, it mimics that feeling of like a more traditional worker placement game for me. That's so funny. But it's not, it's not. <laughs> well, and I was trying to figure out how to explain this earlier, and I think you're 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 leading me there, so thank you. It feels like they took a worker placement game and had abstracted it to the point where it wasn't a worker placement game and then made it a worker placement game. To like to accomplish it. So like they, they went from English to Spanish to English using Google Translate both times, and yes. it, it came back like it, everything feels really familiar, and I get it, but none of this sounds familiar. Yeah, that's a fantastic <laughs> analogy. Um, only it's 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 sensical. I think it's it is like... no, and it carries it. It works really well. Like, well, and we'll talk about rating in just a second, but like, <clears throat> pardon me. Um. No, it, it works really well, and it's a lot of fun to play, and it's crunchy. So we've been talking about the more like worker placement elements, but you know, one of the things I actually really like most is the card play. And, we, and not, the, not the Paladin card plays, mm-hmm. but there's the, was it the, the well, Outsider the cards? And the Outsiders, yeah. Right. I love those. And you <laughs> touched upon it, too. So these are like sort of like two... Car- two different types of cards, but they're very similar. It's just like one is like more like engine building y, mm-hmm. and um, then the other is for end game like victory end game points, scoring, primarily. Yeah, points. well, and um, you, you even have an option on what to do with those cards because you can either hire them for the end game victory points, or you can, I, I, I think, thematically, you're actually like warding them off from invading, so killing them yeah. for their resources. Yeah, and it, I mean it's it's they're, they're engine building e, and it's also like it's it's a really clever use of cards. And there, there's a lot of cards in this game. There's also like the what do you call it the the tower cards and um, oh yeah, uh, I forgot all about the tower wall yeah, or the wall I, I cards. Just, yeah, in our, yeah in our game, I was I started building those yeah, up a little. Yeah, I was bit. just starting to do that too. Yeah, and then there's this well, whole. And this this is all in the West Kingdom games, and I can't remember if Raiders and the, the the North Sea series has this to some extent, but the whole debt oh, sort of yeah, Viscounts had a little bit of that too. Yeah, and, and Architects has it, although less so. 
it, it is this this idea so you can you can get these purple workers which are wild and as they are wild they are wildly useful hey, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah sorry that was lame um <laughs> but every time you get a purple worker you have to take these suspicion cards mm-hmm. and at and at various points in the game also this is super interesting well, i was gonna There's say a, a, the, the timer pile. for this yeah this is so cool so yeah, sorry, go ahead. I got excited. Yeah, so you, can, you can take money from one of two places. So you can either take money from like the, the quote-unquote bank, or you can take it from the tax supply. Once the tax supply runs out of money, and there are times where you're forced to take money from the tax supply, that triggers what is called an inquisition. And what happens when an inquisition is triggered is whoever has the most suspicion cards is forced to take debt. And debt causes you to lose three victory points at the end of the game. Which sucks. Unless, it does suck. Unless you're able to pay off the debt, in which case it's worth one victory point at the end of the game. Well, and there's two ways to pay that debt off. One is not money. Why am I blanking on this? One, there's like an action specifically. Oh, it is only, no, it is just through the actions, isn't it? There may be a card that lets, or some some bonus actions that let you pay oh, off, but the primary way is that that two. action space. Yeah, and there's there's actually I think there's only two of those on the board. Well, they're not even action spaces; they're bonuses. Yeah, that's true. So you can only do it once mm. the entire game. I think you get two off your personal. There's board. two two of those yeah. for which you can only do once each <laughs> throughout the entire right. game. Right. Um, so, so it's not like you you have four debt and you could pay off four debt that right. way. You, you can pay get... a maximum of two debt off. <laughs> off of your own player board. And I think there's a right. couple of um on the communal board spaces where you send your buildings out to. Yeah, I but think, I think they're hard to reach. Might have it too. Yeah. That is also just like such an interesting decision space. Yeah, the the little mini game systems they came up with for all the individual things going on. I, I, I think the biggest marvel of this game is that it doesn't feel like a bunch of things slapped together at different points it all feels like the same game despite all of these very different little intricacies going on to it very very well interwoven yeah and just surprising because again like every single little system is so wildly different both from stuff you're used to playing and the game that you're currently playing like the the draft is different from the worker placement is different from traditional is different from this so it, kudos to them for for having it work so well yeah and it's it's really bizarre it's every single game they put out, put out is like this it is like a unique twist on a very familiar right. mechanic very familiar game type and, and they do it completely of, yeah, differently, and they do well. Really interesting and really fresh. Yeah. I wish I liked them more. <laughs> Why um, do you keep me here? I am such a downer on this thing. I hate everything. I'm a downer sometimes. Oh my like god! I, I love I love Targi. I am never gonna live that down. Oh my god! It's, it's a, if you're not familiar, I absolutely absolutely a bore this game and adam loves it and it's 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 adam's just oh, wrong it's a, it's a terrible terrible game you're just gonna keep um, twisting that knife i will say i was severely disappointed with the expansion when i finally got it and i waited years for that thing anyway 
paladins. Yeah. Sorry, paladins. I'll, I'll, I want to yeah, paladins. I just want to touch on like one more mechanical mm-hmm. thing, and then I think let's let's we can give our sort of final. I like verdict. that. Yep. So, I mentioned this already, but there's like these stats that you're keeping track of on the left of your player board. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what they're called, but it's like your blue stat, your white stat, your black stack, and whatever. One's and, like your faith, your strength, your yeah. vigor. I forget. Yeah. Typical like themeless mm-hmm. hero game stats. And in order to do certain actions, you have to have these stats at a certain level, and they combine with like the bonus stats you get from the paladins. So there's just like there's a lot of planning with that too. And a lot of the different actions on your board increase those stats. It will mm-hmm. take one stat in and put another stat out. And and, and they're um, labeled you clearly. You don't go down on stats either. Yep. It's just you constantly build, but you're thinking about: Do I have enough stat to build the stat? <laughs> it took and, me a and, minute to actually figure out that labeling system because it was like the black arrow weird. on the left, the red arrow on the right. But you're not actually spending the the black ranking. You just need a prerequisite. But you're definitely going to gain on the red. Yeah. So it's not like you're. Yeah, man. It took me way too long to just get a comfortable. Yeah, you know it's weird because the, the iconography is actually not it, it's so simple that yeah. it's confusing well and that's just it i was just gonna say yep it's overly simplified where you think certainly this isn't it must mean this this is how it always means yeah. but no you can't figure that out just looking at the board you need right. to have read the rules and know that you know this i is think what it that's means. But once why you do, it's, it's so fine. confusing because yeah. everything else on the board you can literally look at the board and just know what it does that being said, I, I, I think it's awesome. And these, these all just sort of like blend together and it's, it's really, mm-hmm. really clever. Yeah. Any one of them is a good choice. We, um, we kept, well, we kept Raiders of the North Sea. Raiders of the North Sea, I think is excellent. I think that's still my favorite with the expansions, but I've, I've, I know people love the expansions. I haven't played it with any of the expansions. They, they just add a, they add a lot more flavor that it needed. It, yeah. it was a really good game, just a little bit B flat. Like it, just for multiple plays, I guess. But anyway, yeah, makes sense. And I, I liked Architects, but I like this a lot more than Architects. Mm-hmm. Oh, so before we give our ratings, uh, Board Game Geek, it is number seventy-five overall on Board Game Geek, number fifty-one overall in strategy. Not too shabby. Not at all for a game that just came out in twenty nineteen. Like kudos guys good job (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna give mine first because i don't think it's gonna be a surprise to anybody um i'm giving it a five out of ten it's a really good game it's fine it's just i i will never buy it I, i will never have a need to buy it because at the end of the day all of the the west kingdom games they all feel very b flat and very samey to me I, I get tired of them quick. So for me, it's a five out of 10. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. So I, I mean, my ratings is better. I like this a lot. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. And I do have a concern that it is going to feel after multiple plays, not exciting. Yeah. As you mentioned, that it is going to feel very samey after a while. Which Even is though a, there's plenty of inputs and, and plenty like insertions of like randomness and ways to give yep. variety, I, some of the turns do feel very scripted. Yep. Yeah, 
Um, you won't have a choice periodically. You'll have to do certain things. Right. Yeah. At the same time, like a lot of those decisions are very interested and it feels this, there's, there's this very weird space in which like the turns are very interesting and, and wrote at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I can just imagine the, the roteness getting worse over time, but overall I really like, it. and I think it's an excellent, excellent yeah. game, but it, I can see it getting boring after a while. If you have access to it, hundred percent get get game time in with this game it is a great design there's a lot of good ideas in it like if you have friends that have come over to game night and they're starting to express an interest in something a little meatier i think you could get away with this i think a big reason for that is how approachable the design itself is with the um with the art assets all the iconography is very clear Everything is very straightforward. I don't think I would sit down and teach somebody right from the rules. I think what I'd do is get them one-on-one and just start playing the game and just kind of start going through it like that with them. But I think this would be a great way to get someone super excited about what other games can do. I I, I could see that sort of like the next step. Yeah. Only once you see that there is an interest to try something a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. If somebody points to it and says, what's this? Don't get it off the shelf and set it up. <laughs> do that. But yeah, so it's called, it's called Paladins of the West Kingdom. Yeah, very good. I give it a five. Paul says seven. Uh, Board Game Geek audience says 8.1. So, Oof. yeah. And that's our show. Hope yeah. you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon. Hopefully sooner than... We've been it's been a bit of a hiatus, definitely yeah. longer than what we planned. So, pandemic, but yeah, the pandemic. Find us on boardgamesquad.com. We've both got a couple of articles up there. You just posted something else up there, didn't you? Or am I? Yeah, I was talking a little bit how I childproofed my Calyx shell. That's right. Good pictures in there. Um, also, um, a review of Roman Roll. Oh, your review of Roman Roll. Um, you're going to be getting your review of uh, your other Roland right up soon. Three sisters. I should probably so get good. out. So good. Yeah. But yeah, with that, I think uh, I think we're good. You good? I'm good. We bid you adieu. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Thanks for playing. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next edition of Board Game Squad. It's boardgamesquad.com slash podcast. I said subscribe. I'm waiting. Seriously? On behalf of Adam and Paul, thanks for tuning in. My name is not important. At least to Adam and Paul. Dude, it's your turn.